Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for this day. I thank you for... uh, the peace that you bring into this world. And I pray that as we study your word, as we look at the promises that it proclaims, may we be filled with joy, but may we be filled with peace to, to hear more of you and to live in that peace. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd invite you to uh, pull out this uh, sheet that you were given here this morning to take some notes in our service here. As I just said before the video, we are continuing in continuing the series called Joy to the World, uh, talking about these four big words, hope, peace, love, and joy. And today our focus for joy to the world is on that word peace and the peace that God brings. I don't know if you saw or not, but uh, dictionary.com, as they do every single year, released a word of the year. Did anybody see this by chance? Um, it's generally something that you know stirs a conversation, maybe something to talk over the holiday meal or something like that. But they came up with this word of 2019 as our cultural world word in, in our world here. And they said uh, that the word of 2019 is this word, existential. Just trying to show off here, dictionary.com this year, right? The word existential, uh, it has two meanings, according to dictionary.com, of or relating to existence and or concerned with the nature of human existence as determined by the individual's freely made choices. Uh, When releasing this word, dictionary.com said that the word was primarily searched in conjunction with climate change, gun violence, and democratic institutions. And just to make sure that you would be interested or, how, or a way to kick off the conversation, knowing that this word's a little bit heady, they decided to get creative as to why this word was so important for 2019. They used an example from a blockbuster movie that maybe you saw this year. They used the example of this guy, Forky. Anybody know who I'm talking about here? Not the cowboy on the right. I'm talking about the spork on the left. Spoon and fork together. They, they said that in the movie, Toy Story 4, I'm not making this up. This is how they introduced it, all right? They said, in this movie, Forky is having an existential crisis. He's wondering what his purpose is. And Dictionary.com interviewed Josh Cooley, the, the director of Toy Story 4, and he said this, and I quote, examining what it means to be alive through the googly eyes of a disposable utensil, used for soup, salad, or maybe chili, has us questioning our purpose beyond what we think we are and what we can be. 
The food, Josh Cooley said, is just the metaphor, but Forky's journey is our journey, and he reminds us to not throw ourselves away. Somebody just awed. (laughs) Whether you think that that is really cute and creative and good for dictionary.com, I mean, it does bring a smile to our faces. Or you think that this is really dumb and silly and stupid and let's talk about existential. I think that he's right. He's absolutely right. That for each and every one of us, whether it's 2019, 2020, or 2018, we're all in this place of desiring to have a meaningful life. And ultimately, we want to be at peace with this, that our life has meaning, and we desire to be at peace with that. I remember years ago, uh, Gretchen and I went on a trip and we visited this absolutely beautiful cathedral. And um, in the process of visiting this cathedral, it was just stunning. If you've ever been to a building that's just incredibly old and you start to look at the stained glass and there's little plaques and they have a tour that tells you all kinds of things that are symbolized and going on in this building. And for me, as kind of a Bible nerd, I was all over this, right? I wanted to read every little thing and learn every little piece and learn all of the symbolism that was happening in that space. My wife was like, hey, can we go eat? But as we were kind of going through and taking our time and learning all of these things, we got to uh, the end of our time there. And as we were exiting out the doors, I had this like existential crisis moment. Because at the exit of the doors was this big oversized book that had just plain sheets of paper on it, but clearly people had been writing in that book. And in that book, it had many different languages from all over the world that were writing in the book. And above the book, it said simply that this is a book to bring your prayer requests. That if there's something that you are in need of prayer of, you can write it in this book. As I explained that in many different languages. And so just like you, every Sunday when you fill out your Connect card, that's a joke, all right? I had this big existential crisis moment, right, of like, what am I going to say that's going to be meaningful? I didn't want it to just be like, hey, I want to pray for Dave and Gretchen McGinley. I wanted it to be something more. Because in that moment, I had one of these times where I realized that this was bigger than just me. So I wrote down in that book that there would be world peace, And my wife is laughing just like she did when I wrote it down because I went over to her and I kind of like nudged her a little bit and I said, hey, Gretchen, I want to show you what I wrote in the prayer book, thinking that she would be overly impressed, right? She came and read it and she was like, seriously, Dave, world peace. That's your prayer right now. And, and, And I think in that moment, what she was saying is simply this. What in the world do you mean by peace? Like, are we talking peace, meaning that there's going to be no more fighting in this world? That that there's no more war? 
that like we're all going to be around a nice campfire, holding hands, singing kumbaya, and hoping that we can have s'mores afterwards. Is this what we mean by peace? And see, the world would define peace this way. It defines it as freedom from disturbance or tranquility or a state or period in which there is no war or a war has ended. This, according to Google, is how we define peace in this world. And what's interesting, the words that we just read from Isaiah chapter 2 describe that the Bible talks about peace is going to be like this. In fact, look at these words. In Isaiah 2, 4, it says that uh, he shall judge between the nations, being God, and he shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. The Bible would talk about peace being something that is to come, this idea that there would be no more war. And if you've ever been to New York City, to the United Nations building, across the street from that United Nations building is a quote from that Bible verse of Isaiah chapter 2, saying that they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. This is something that we desire for in our world. But if you look at the teaching of Jesus, and, and if you just stop there, I think you've only understood a very shallow portion of the kind of peace that God desires to offer you today. Because there's this teaching that Jesus has in particular, that is seen throughout the scriptures. It's found in John chapter 14 in one place where Jesus says these words to his disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus says, my peace that I give you, not as the world gives you. So, so how in the world is Jesus defining peace then? For one, Jesus is saying that peace is not just an absence of war. That if that's our understanding of peace, that becomes really shallow. And truthfully, I'm thankful that he sees it to be deeper than that. Because oftentimes when we talk about having peace, that comes with a struggle for power. That comes at the expense of somebody else. So Jesus talks about a peace that is bigger and greater than just the absence of war. So what in the world does he mean by that then? Well, for one, it is more than an absence of struggle. It certainly is more than gaining power. In the Bible, it's written in two primary languages. In the Old Testament, it's uh, in Hebrew, the language on the left. And on the New Testament, it's in Greek. 
and learn a little bit of language here. The word on the left is one of my favorite words in all of the Bible. You've probably heard it before. It's this word known as shalom. Anybody heard that word before? You can say it with me. One, two, three, shalom. It's a really cool word, word if you want to like say goodbye to somebody, just say shalom, all right? We'll start that trend here, all right? And, and shalom is this word of peace. It's very deep, though. The word in the Greek is irene. I'm not going to have you say that with me. It's a little bit harder to say. But it means the same thing. It's this deep understanding of what peace truly is which is more than an absence of struggle or pain or suffering in this world. So I want to give you three things as to what this peace is that Jesus talks about. You can write these on your message notes here this morning. The first one is this, this shalom or irony that Jesus talks about. Number one is this, it is a peace that something better is uh, Peace is something better than what exists right now. <clears throat> something better than what exists right now. This is important to understand of the peace that, that the Bible talks about, is that, that we get to see glimpses of this peace coming into our world. We have moments and sparks where darkness cer- certainly turns into light. But it has not fully come into this world yet. One of my favorite examples comes from this moment known as the Christmas truce in 1914 during World War I. Maybe you've heard of this before. Uh, this, there was a battle going on between Great Britain and Germany in World War I. They were in the midst of this intense war and these trenches that were happening. And on Christmas Eve, it was decided that we were going to make a truce. For a day, we would stop the battle. We would stop the war. And so um, the Germans decided to boldly, a couple of them, come out of their trenches into the middle of, uh, of the war, in the middle of the battlefield. And they came over and yelled in English, Merry Christmas to the Britons. And at first, the British thought, good try, Germans, not going to fall for it. But actually, as they stayed and continued to proclaim that, it historically is told that they had this truce on Christmas morning. 1914, that as they climbed out of their trenches, they exchanged presents of cigarettes and plum puddings and sang carols and songs. Some of the Germans lit a Christmas tree that was documented, and even so, they decided to have a game of soccer on that Christmas morning of 1914. It was a truce that for many, many days they had been battling and fighting, but they said, because of this Prince of Peace, because of what this day is, that now we see a glimpse of what peace truly would look like. That this Christmas, the celebration of peace, managed to bring mortal enemies together as friends for a time. Now, I say this because the reality is that December 26 happened and they went back to their trenches and kept fighting. See, the reality is that in this world, we will see glimpses of this peace happening. But it does not fully exist in this world yet. Which leads to the second idea of how Jesus is defining peace. 
He says that peace is a complete or wholeness. This shalom is, means that there is this complex thing that is being made complete. Shalom or irony is this understanding of that there's complexity that exists and that for there to be shalom, it has to be put together perfectly. The image that the Bible would talk about when it describes peace would be similar to like a puzzle that's being put together. And that until those puzzle pieces are perfectly put together, there is not fully shalom or peace. The desire of God is to bring peace here, to bring completeness and wholeness in the midst of complexity into our lives. This is what Isaiah was prophesying about in Isaiah chapter 9, talking about the coming king being Jesus. You heard these words, for unto us a child is born, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And what Isaiah is saying is that Jesus is bringing a shalom, a completeness, a wholeness, a well-being to his people. Now to be clear, this is certainly something that he has done for us. It's not something that we can earn on our own or something that we are able to fulfill. And that's why when Jesus came into the world as a young child, he also lived the perfect life, fulfilling the prophecies and the scriptures that were before him, and then dying on a cross that we so beautifully sang about here this morning. But he couldn't just remain dead. He would have to rise again from the dead to complete that peace between God and us, to bring wholeness into this world. But you might be saying, all right, cool. Thanks. Even in the midst of this great news, there seems to be a lot of brokenness. A lot of things that haven't been completely put together. Does that just mean for right now that I'm just waiting for something to come? that really this is good news for a later time. What does that look like right now in the midst of what seems to be a place that can be filled with all kinds of brokenness? That's why the third thing here is so important to understand about how Jesus talks about shalom, about peace. It's this, that peace with Jesus is one of transcendence. I want you to hear these words speaking of the peace that God gives. From Philippians 4, 7, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace with Jesus is one of transcendence. 
what that means is this, is that we can be right in the middle of chaos and disappointment and frustration. We can be right in the middle of the world disappointing us, as people letting us down, dealing with traffic on North Avenue, whatever it is. And in the midst of that brokenness, the peace that God gives us says that we can find a calm and a quiet within our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. The peace that God gives you is that even in the midst of so much brokenness, this transcends all of time. No matter if it's something so small or even something that's so massive and huge. And when I, what, I'm, what I am not saying, though, is I'm not saying that that doesn't allow you to cry, that you should just suck it up and deal with it. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is that in the midst of your tears and your frustration, there is something deep inside of us that Jesus promises that this too will be taken care of. Justice will be served. And peace can be found in the midst of struggle, in the midst of pain. Because this peace takes a lot of work. This true peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness in, in our lives, in our relationships, and even in our world. But never forget, the peace that God gives has been done by him. That is a gift that he gives to you. And you are called to trust him in the process of this. But that does not leave you inactive. That gives you the responsibility to share that peace with others. To proclaim that peace to others as well. Because it's bigger than just an absence of pain or gaining power. Instead, it points to something that is to come, a wholeness and a completion that comes, and it is one that transcends. So when I look back at my prayer in that cathedral, I kind of look back and think, I am kind of proud of the fact of that prayer. Certainly, if a right understanding of peace can be found, not just absence of war. Certainly I desire that to happen. But something even greater, that in the midst of pain and struggle, that there is something deeper that we can cling and hold onto. And as we live in a world in 2019 that brings forward the question of our existence, I think it's all the more important that you and I work out of that peace as well. That you would act out of compassion like your Prince of Peace did for you. Jesus didn't just stand on some throne and give you a bunch of rules and say, hey, get on my level. 
But instead, he came into this world and acted out of compassion for you and me. And others have done that for you as well. Those that come into your life and talk about a world that is to come, where there will be no more war, where there will be no more pain. Those that come in and walk with you in the midst of brokenness, in need of restoration, and ultimately share a peace that transcends all of time and all of circumstances. You've probably heard this phrase before. It's kind of a popular Christian phrase that gets used. Uh, It's this, to be in the world, but not of the world. Anybody heard this statement before? Generally used around like smoking or drinking or something like that, right? Or dancing, right? To be in the world, but not of the world. And, And when it comes to peace, I want to flip that narrative. I think understanding this shapes and molds how we live in this world. I would rather say this, that to be of peace, but yet not in it completely. To be people of peace that point to one who has declared and described something that is so beautiful, one who has brought compassion into this world and walks with us in the process, yet understands that we have work to do and we're not yet completely in it. So I want you to finish uh, here. This is something that we typically don't do Um, But I want you to hear these these words of the peace that Jesus talks about in particular. These words from uh, the New Testament. If you were to search the word peace, there's 96 references of this word irene in the New Testament. And I just want you to hear these words and, and be reminded maybe of them or hear them for the first time. That in the midst of chaos, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of pain, and in the midst of celebration, that you would cling to these. In fact, they are written on the bottom of your message notes here as references. And I would challenge you to put those, like if one of these stands out to you, to just mark it today and look it up this afternoon and put it in a place that you need to be reminded of the peace that God gives that is different from the world. So hear these words from Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3, 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2, 14. For he, Jesus himself, 
is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And lastly, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are a God of peace, a God who promises to bring peace into this world for the future, yet also we get to see it in this place here today. I know that as we talk about these big words and as we lean in on what it means for our purpose and being, that you also have big claims and promises to those things. I pray that we would lean in to what you have to say. That in the midst of struggle and pain and in the midst of celebration, may we hold on to that peace that you promise to give. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.